Alright. My voice is gone. Sorry, I sound like an old man. Um, today is Sunday, October 4th. The second annual New England Am is in the record books. Holy shit. It was insane. I can't even, like, get into it right now. But basically, my voice is gone from yelling and cheering. Over 24 skate shops came. Um, it was mind-melting. I can't wait to leak all the footage and photos coming up. Um, today's guest is Andrew Bablo. He is the founder of Steve's Magazine and just one hell of a rad dude. I really enjoyed my conversation with him, and uh, I hope you guys do too. I'll get into everything as soon as my voice feels better. Short intro this week. Enjoy the show. This is the Shetland Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make up. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. I hope they get it. I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners. We claim the victories. Yeah, come on. It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. You're in a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it. You know, sometimes you, know, you think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know it happens. It's skateboarding. You know, it happens every day. Yeah. People are worried about skateboarding and the skate state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we it's take like over the street. All right, we're rolling. We got we got some action going right now. Um, what's up, Andrew? Hey, how's it going, man? I always catch people off guard because. Um, who was it? Chris Naracco. He was like, you're not going to introduce me? And I was like, you haven't been listening to my podcast, Chris Naracco, because I do I do an intro after the fact. So I kind of explain who the guest is and all that. But I will say today is Andrew Bablo. I was asking you about how to say your last name, and you were saying it's Polish? Yeah, nailed it. How do yeah. you say the full name? What was your full name? You know, I don't know. I've been trying to figure that out. I just assume it's probably Bablowski or something, you know, some ski ending, you know. And they just switched it up? I think it was just easier, you know, like when my family came over, they they probably didn't even know how to spell it because, like, all our records, our name is spelled different. Um, it's like a Z or a W at the end, so... Like, all of our records when our family first came over in the early 1900s is totally different. So, I think they were just like, yeah, just chop off the end and go with whatever's easy. Yeah, they, like, Americanized all these immigrants' names. Yeah. They're just, like, just cut it all in half, made it real short, and your name's now Tom. Welcome to America. <laughs> the crazy part is, too, is that I had family um, in Poland still, my dad said, and he was like, yeah... They used to send cards and stuff over from Poland and be like, hey, you know, can you send us money? And Because they just figured America was like, you know, paved in gold. Yeah, you guys so, are killing it in America. Yeah, the rich yeah. relatives. So, so here we had all this family in Poland, but my grandpa just threw all the cards away. He would just throw the letters. And the Damn cards right. And, <laughs> no, yeah, we have no idea who, the, who our family is back in Poland, but... Because they were asking for money. You can't blame them for trying, though. <laughs> no, no, hey, I mean, it was worth a shot. I would have done it, too. I mean, hey. Hell yeah. Oh, there's there's Elwood and Amber. They're, they frequently interrupt the podcast, so we're going to have to deal with that today for sure. That's cool. Uh, um, I want to get into 
magazines, man. Because first, I want to ask you: Did you found? Are you the founder of Steve's Magazine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, I started it um, officially. There's a whole bunch of us, so you know, I hate to take like full credit for anything, but yeah, I was the initial founder. That's awesome, dude. I I wasn't sure. I know we've worked together in the past. I've actually even had the cover, man, and we've had a lot of communication back and forth, um, just working on stuff with the mag. And I, I wasn't sure, but I figured I'd get you on and ask you about it. How how do you go about how do you go about like starting a magazine? You know, it's kind of a crazy, like weird thing. Is um, I I was going to art school, art college, and um, I had a senior thesis. Wait wait, 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 sorry to cut you off. For art college, did you have to draw, like, the parrot and, like, the pirate? You know how they used to send that thing out to people? Like, <laughs> you want to be an artist? Can yeah. you draw this? No, no, we didn't have to do that, but um, <laughs> probably worse is the first, I remember my first drawing class, the very first class, we go in, and um, it was figure drawing. And so we, I'm figuring, like, all right, we're going to draw, like, this naked shit stick. We go in and it's literally, I'm not even kidding, it's a 400 plus pound woman. Hell yeah. And <laughs> completely naked, completely <laughs> naked. Freshman, like, all right, now we got to like draw this woman for, I don't know, I think it's like two and a half hours. You were working on like the shadows and the rolls for a long time. Dude, I was so bad. I hated, I hated figure drawing and uh, I actually, it was my worst class. I ended up just like leaving, I would go... And the models would even yell at me. They're like, you need to work. But I would, I hated it. So I would just go show up for attendance and then leave. And uh, I ended up passing, but it was not my strong point. <laughs> I hated it. How does uh, that get you? How did that get you into a magazine, though? You just dropped. Well, I mean, I was, I was always more of a computer person anyway. I mean, I was always into graphics and, and doing stuff on the computer. So for me... I already knew that I really didn't want to draw naked people or, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a talented, you know, drawer say, or, or painter or anything, but. I kind of, I kind of had that moment too, cause I would doodle all the time. And then when it came to like actually drawing something, like having to sit down and do it and draw it, I like could not pull the trigger, dude. It's not for me either. <laughs> it's hard. And then you're sitting there with people who are like, you know, they're looking at this lady, and then they're just fucking drawing something for, like, a minute and a half, and then they have this, like, amazing, I don't even know, like, figurative drawing that's, like, you know, belongs in a in a museum or something, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I didn't even get through her foot yet, you know, so it's like, <laughs> I was terrible, man, so, yeah, it was not, I knew right then, it's hard, because everybody is really good, and you know, it wasn't my thing, so. What's what kind of sparked? Luckily, I was more into graphic. That. What's, so getting into graphic design and doing all that, does that kind of how does that spark you on the idea of a magazine? Yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up in upstate New York, and I, you know, as a kid, kind of growing up in middle America, you know, suburbia. Really, all we had was magazines, and that was how we got all, you know, this is pre, and I'm not even that old, but you know, it, it's pre-internet, pre-Facebook, pre, you know, all of this social media where you get all your information. Back then it was like, if we wanted to know what was cool, you had to order a subscription to a magazine. It's so, fu and, it's so fucked up, Andrew, that we have to say that. That's how you know you're getting old. 
when you have to say that type of shit. I know. <laughs> but it's true. I totally agree, man. Like, man, it's cold. Cool. It's like, and I guess I am. <laughs> but that's all I had, and I would cut out, you know, and all my buddies, we cut out all the photos and the ads, and we tape them. Literally, I would tape the walls and ceilings were full of them. And that was it. And that was where we got our culture from. And that's how I knew of anything that was going on across the whole country was through magazine. We didn't even have, I remember it wasn't even until probably mid nineties that there was any like legit skate shop that was selling, you know, like legit decks or anything. Otherwise you had to go to Ames. Where was this? Did you say upstate New York? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like from like Corning, uh, New York, like, middle kind of western western new york so it's the sticks yeah basically exactly but so. yeah i know like uh magazines were a huge role in my life because like when the winter hits and we're just like these dirty skate rats like hanging out in a room like wishing we could be skating in a parking lot we just like flip through the magazines and like I, you know we memorized every page and we read every ar- article i would take those things to school and like instead of doing schoolwork, i'd be reading the article oh, yeah it's like, oh yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and you'd pass them around, and you know, you'd, you'd rip out pages or, or whatever, and it was like, you know, twenty five kids would have read, you know, through a magazine just one copy of it by the time you were done. You know, it was like, it was hard to get your hands on a copy of Thrasher or anything. Yeah. You know, but if you did, it was like, you know, that that was like that was a big deal. You covered that. You 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 held on to it. So. You know, you want to hear something funny? Um, my homie in California, he, he had like a skate apartment and, uh, I walked in and they had all these like pictures of skaters cut out and they made like a collage on the wall, but it was, it was all photos, like the worst frames, like the most embarrassing, like ugly face frame, like all these dudes. And I was like, and they must've just got drunk and high and just added to the collection as they were laughing. And it was the most amazing. I'm so I was probably on the wall. I don't even know. That's awesome. I still wish I had the wall. Like looking back, it was kind of like a time capsule, and um, you know, a lot. There was, I mean, if I could think, there's probably still stuff there now. If if my room was still intact, that's like 25 years old or whatever. You know, some of those ads would have been sick to look at. Now I wish I still had those magazines. From yeah. back then, but we tore them all apart. You know, we cut them all apart, so they were no good. Oh yeah, they either they either end up fucking shredded because you're like pulling pages out and hanging them up, or they end up in the car and like on a road trip, and then they're stood on and smushed on. You're like, fuck, that just ruined my whole shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, somebody stole them, buddy would steal them or something. But yeah, that was that was just how it went. Man. I'm really curious about like how you. Actually, like your first steps in starting the magazine, like and to get it into print. You know what I mean? Like where yeah. you, a lot of people are like, I'm gonna start a magazine, but I never see like a print copy. Totally, and you know, I mean, as like a precursor, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I had made like, <laughs> and it's just none of us did, and I made those emails, um, but nothing. Nothing even substantial, more than just like, you know, one or two for me personally. Um, but it actually, it didn't come until it was my senior year of college. And then I needed like a senior thesis project. And I initially wanted to do a book. I thought, oh, that'll be, you know, that'll be sick. I'll do this book. And um, 
you know, and I wanted it to be kind of like maybe a photo book, but snow and skate and, but, you know, as more I looked into it, you know, even then you couldn't even make a one-off book then, you know, now you can make, you can make a one-off book now, you know, it might cost you 50 or 75 bucks, but you can make a single copy. Then I don't even think you could, there wasn't even the capabilities to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, and I'm talking like 10 years ago, which is kind of crazy how far stuff has come in that, that time. Yeah. But anyway, um, my professor was like, dude, you know, you're not, and I was not a good student either. You know, <laughs> I was, I, I did the work, but I wasn't like, I was not at the top of the class by any means. Were you, did you have like girls on your mind or something? I, yeah. I mean, I had a lot of things on my my mind and you know partying and drinking and, and college was really what was on my mind you know and it wasn't really like you know doing my work every day so yeah. um that's why I kind of I was like well this will be fun you know and so I started with the he was like dude just make some friggin' zines just get this shit out because I was trying to make like a full-scale magazine and um I was just spending so much time on it trying to make like this legit like full color huge you know, trans world thrasher looking magazine. And you were trying to what you were trying to make what you know, what you knew you could make. It, it, yeah. And it was like, you know, that was all I knew. And it was like, no, that wasn't going to happen. So, uh, my professor was like, dude, just start cranking out these like zines. You need something because you have like a, you have a senior show for the first semester. And he's like, if you don't have anything for the show, then a, you're going to look like an idiot and B you're going to fail. So, I was like, all right. So we had this really crappy black and white photocopier, and um, I just started, you know, ripping together some photos, and just they're really bad, man. Really, really. Do you still have them? Do you still have them? I have them. Yeah, they're over at the office. No, Uh, they're not bad. They're awesome. It's like the beginning. It's the you got to break soil. You know what I mean? A lot of people never even get to that point. They just talk about doing doing something. Yeah, thing and you build off of each one and each one gets better but it's funny like when interns and people will come in and they'll they're like oh can i see some of the beginning stuff and i'm like no i don't really feel like it and then they're just like they don't even care about the new shit they're just like flipping through all these old like shitty black and what the toner's falling off of it (laughs) so pumped like dude put that shit away man i don't want to look at it but but yeah so basically um i ended up doing I don't know, four or five that first whole year. And they slowly got better and a little bit bigger. And I figured out I was making like 20 on the photocopier, but then I figured out a way to, um, I shouldn't even say this, but whatever. I figured out a way to, to cheat the, the printer in the print lab so that I could print free <laughs> copies. So no, I, I, I found a hustle. Worker. I respect the hustle. Yeah, man. I, was, I had to hustle. I mean, these things, I wasn't going to spend money. So, I um I picked it so I could print off actual like legit printings because the toner on that photocopier was so bad, man. Yeah. So I started printing off like two, three hundred copies, and, and then I would actually like make them, collate them, staple them, trim them out, and then I would just kind of distribute them around campus and around the area. What and, was the um, first? What were in the first ones? Like, the, what was the content? It was just kind of like old photos that I 
had around like snow and skate photos and there was like party photos and just it was really crude man it was it was just the zine there was some music like a you know a couple like small music things but just like very much like culture photo type of thing um i loved it and i have because it was like they were like yo we need something like next week so it was like i couldn't even go out and shoot content digital cameras weren't even really like i didn't have a digital camera so it was like it wasn't easy to get content then. Like your phone, now. phone wasn't a camera. What are you? Yeah, right? about? I mean, maybe I had a. I probably had a razor at the time. You know, <laughs> whatever those things were. But yeah, so it, it's just crazy to like think that how much has changed in that time. But Dude, it was technology, really technology flies, man. It's insane. It's it's speeding up. It's it's scary. Scary good. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It scares the hell out of me at times. But I mean. Now you could do so much more in a quicker amount of time and do it so much more legit than what I was able to do, you know, nine something years ago. Um, but when that year was up, I had gotten it to a decent enough level. It was still a zine and it was still really crude and it was like 24 pages. But, um, you know, I wasn't really sure where to go there because I knew it was a lot of work. Yeah, and in order in order to make it legit and not just like a a couple helps. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Like the next. Um, hold on. The yeah. Skype, the Skype was like lagging right there. Yeah. Sorry, you're back. All right. Um, yeah, I was just saying, like, once I got through those, you know, initial year of of crappy zines, I knew I needed help to kind of take it to the next level from there. So, so what, what was your next step there? Do you start asking friends to help out, or wh- where do you move from there? Yeah, so a buddy of mine that um, that we were in design class together, we graduated together. Um, he was interested in the project, Joe Lavasco, who had been with us, you know, basically since day one. I mean, he was, he was there sitting with me the whole time I was doing these. You know, so it was like kind of that summer after college, you know, I started asking around. He was like, yo, you know, I got a couple buddies who are interested in helping out. And so, you know, we pulled together mainly a lot of friends at the time. And um, some were writing and some were doing photography and stuff. And so we just kind of pulled it together and we're like, all right, let's like, let's do this. Let's make it legit. And so we went for it and we um, we started printing like, I don't know, three, four thousand copies. Damn. We found a local printer, and there were still zines, you know. They were like kind of crude. They were black and white, um, but they were they were much better quality, and, and we were able to produce a lot more and, and kind of reach more people. So um, that was really the initial step of of kind of taking it to the public. Um, was was at that point. Which was probably, I don't know, probably the fifth or sixth issue we ever put out. Did you feel like, was there a point um, when you were doing the magazine, did you feel like uh, after so many issues, you're like, damn, we have like a legit team working on this thing. Like, when did it sink in? I always thought like if we could make it to 12 or 13 issues, I always thought that that would be like a big deal then, you know, like, like, ah, shit, we made it. Like if we could just get 12 or 13 issues out, I figured, you know, then, then we'd be happy with that. 
we, you know, right after school when I was still doing this and my buddies kind of came on board and we're like, yeah, let's go legit with this. Um, you know, we had a hard time kind of figuring out at, at that point we knew we needed to make it legit and we had a hard time figuring out like, how are we going to do this? Like we didn't know how to get paid ads. We didn't know how to distribute or where to get, you know, good content and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I was wondering what you meant by legit. So you're talking about like, t are you talking about business wise or like, what's yeah. how was the quality of the mag? And I mean, I guess you got to have the business side to get the better paper into like, if you're just funding it yourself. So you need help, right? Yeah, because it was like, you know, we knew we need to print thousands of copies in order to get paid advertisements, not just, you know, a couple hundred and put them around a college campus. So um, that was when, you know, those guys stepped up and came in and, you know, we started doing some articles and we did, you know, we, we traveled and we started reaching out to photographers and, and just covering some different events and stuff like that. But it was a huge learning experience because, again, we really didn't know – you know, we didn't have any industry contacts at the time. Um, you know, there wasn't a ton of organization either. And so it was, it was a challenge. Plus we were, you know, we were just graduated from college. We still wanted to party and have fun, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like we were, we were, you know, we wanted to have fun with it. That was the whole basis was always to have fun and kind of introduce these new ideas and concepts to, to other people, you know, in different areas. So, yeah, it wasn't like, hey, this is our nine to five. This is a job. We're all going to make millions. It was just like, let's create something cool, have fun, still live our lives. Like, it's yeah. it's cool that with a collaboration, it grew to what it actually grew to. Yeah, man. Thank you. Well, it, it was a long, long process, you know. And again, how how did you? Um, um, sorry, I just cut you off. But how did you get figure out the distribution? Like, how did you start reaching out? Did you guys do a lot of backpacking and bringing the mags around and stuff? We did that for quite a bit. Um, for years, we did a lot of like just guerrilla marketing, and um, you know, we would just poach events. We'd put the magazine wherever we wanted. But then we started reaching out to shops, and we'd email them and be like, "Yo, you know, you distribute this." And then it just kept snowballing and snowballing and. We started making better contacts, and then um, eventually um, we we were like, you know, we weren't happy with the black and white printing yeah. and with our printer, so we ended up going to Chicago to get it printed in Chicago and go full color with it. You had to pay shipping at that point, though. Yeah, you know, and that was a big thing. I mean, I think shipping alone, you know, at that time was like six, seven hundred bucks, yeah. you know? Damn. Just to ship it from Chicago to New England. So that was another, but that was a few years down the road. Um, but that really kind of helped us get to that, again, that next level. Um, but we, we just, we would literally call shops all around the country and be like, hey, you know, we're from Steve's Mag. Do you want to take the mag? Will you distribute it? And they're like, yeah, they either say yes or no. You know, we don't do magazines or whatever. But and then we just eventually we had all fifty states. Damn, you um, got all fifty. All fifty independently. Um, that was before the whole, before we got actual like, you know, mainstream distribution. Damn. Um, we were just shipping that on our own, and then finally I was like, well. I wonder what it takes to get into a place like Barnes and Noble or like major newsstands. Yeah. Um, 
So I reached what out. What did it take? <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's, I, that was just me. I was like, well, why not? We came this far. Let's just see what the hell it's going to, you know, it can't be that hard. But I hit them up, and they were like, yeah, you got to um, – you've got to like go through one of our distributors and we only have two major distributors that we deal with. So I wrote them a letter and did like the whole process with them. And one of them was like, no, absolutely not. Like this magazine's too weird. The format's weird. <laughs> they were all, they were like, it's too small. It's not going to fit on the news rack. And They're like the only shit. magazine we like are magazines yeah. about rowing, rowing yeah. and, croqueting <laughs> and i'm not gonna say the name of them but they're a major distributor of like you know a lot of other um major mags but they were like yeah they were kind of dicks man and i was like that was the first one to get back and i was like damn dude that sucks you like, you're like you could have just said no you didn't have to be a dick yeah. about it <laughs> yeah i think they actually called me and it was like around christmas if i remember it was so many years ago but they were just like yeah it's it's just they were just like, it's just too weird. I'm like, why would you even fucking call me to tell me that, you know? They just wanted to hurt your self-esteem. Seriously, that's all I felt like. I've had that happen, too. I'm like, Dude, yeah, yeah, right? no. Just say no and move along, man. It wasn't the first time, and it won't be the last. But Yeah, I mean, that's good. But the, the next one, Ingram, um, they were more of like a book distributor, but they do quite a few magazines, and they hit me up, and they're like, you know – we're willing to take a chance on this. It looks pretty cool. And um, they're like, we actually think your size, your format will work to your advantage because the stores will move you to the front of the news rack. Oh, sick. Um, because otherwise you're going to get lost. Perfect. It's just weird because like Barnes & Noble, their, their racks, like they go up like, I don't know, five, six inches yeah. in, the, in a lot of places. So um, you can totally get buried. But they're like, yeah, it'll work to your advantage because normally you have to pay big money to be in the front of those newsstands. Damn, that's yeah. a nice little workaround. Oh, it's crazy. Like, if you want to be on the end of a newsstand or something for, like, the holidays, I mean, it's, like, tens of thousands of dollars. It's stupid. Yeah. It's stupid money. So, yeah, and then we're not <laughs> – once we – we got in, I was like sick and they were and then we had to go and get like a barcode and do all this shit, which I don't even remember. It was crazy. <laughs> we got it and it worked and um I remember I went in and they were in there and um I just kinda moved them on the stand and I was like moved them up front and I bought a copy and I was like sick, it actually friggin' worked. <laughs> uh, that was like the first testing it out is I actually went to Barnes and Noble and bought it. That's and it sick. worked. But uh Later, I read in the contract, they were like, absolutely not allowed to ever touch the magazine. Like, <laughs> I'm like, whatever, but I would, you know. You know what's funny is that every time I go to, like, any store that, like, um, like in the mall or uh, Walmart, when they had all the skate mags, I'd always look at all the skate mags and I'd move them to the front. Nice. I would just take them and, like, put them out in the front so everyone could see them and it was, like, the first one. <laughs> right. So you got people doing that. I, I hope more than just me was doing it, but I was. Oh yeah. Like, I'm like, dude, these are the magazines I like. You gotta hook them up. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sales were up for, in those stores for the uh, skate mags. Nice, dude. I was, your part. I was super bummed when I stopped seeing them in like stores like that. I was like, why the fuck? Like skateboard mags used to be in my grocery stores and stuff like that. And I'm like, where the fuck did these things go? 
What happened? It's so hard because even big, like, big retailers in the industry won't carry um, magazines anymore, you know, skate magazines. You know, a lot of skate shops and, and snow shops or, you know, action sports shops don't carry magazines because of the way the distribution works with the big guys is they send them the magazines, they sit on the shelf, and if they if anybody comes and buys them, then the companies come at the end of the month to pick up whatever's left. They bill them for what's not there. Uh, okay. So if somebody steals one or they get ruined or dropped or whatever, they get billed for those. And so they get all pissed off because a lot of times people pick them up, they flip through them, they ruin them, they take them on accident. And, and so then they're like, what the hell with it, dude? We're not going to carry magazines anymore. So it's kind of fucked up that it's played out like that for a lot of mags, but you I mean, it's not even easy to find, you know, Thrasher and or, or you know, Skateboarder, you know, obviously not here, but the Skateboard Mag and shit like that in stores anymore. Yeah. So that's, mean, the, that's the reason. Yeah, you don't see them. You don't, I mean, you see them in skate shops, but you don't see them in, like, normal stores. No. It's crazy. Um, oh, I was going to ask you. So, what about people giving away the mags for free? If you're just giving away to shops, is it just to get the marketing branding and like get the numbers around so you have you can say like these places carry the the magazines you know like these are just i mean actually the way that it works is that most you know a lot of magazines actually give the mat give copies to the shops yeah um and some do like the buyback program at the end of the month it's just something we never really wanted to deal with and yeah it seems like a lot of work though it's a lot, and a lot of other magazines just give it to the shops, and they're like, whatever. And so that's what we did. It allowed us to be in more shops than most other magazines because we weren't worried about collecting, you know, what are you going to do, collect a few bucks at the end of the month? It's like, so this. we just told the shops, like, look, if you want to show us some love on social media or whatever, that's great. Um, you know, and they loved it, too, because they're like, yeah, you guys, like, you know, you pay for my lunch, yeah. you know, when they come in, so... That's it's it. cool. You know, I know how hard it is. We we had a flagship store and stuff um, with a partner of ours years ago, and it's it's hard. You know, retail is really really hard. So it's like Where anytime your... you can show the shops love, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Where was your store? It was up in Vermont, Lindenville, Vermont. It was called Indigenous. Oh, uh, sick. Yeah. So the owner of that closed that several years years ago um which was a bummer and uh he just had some other stuff going on in his life but uh it was a good learning experience for us and it was a lot of fun man we did some crazy shit we do midnight sales and stuff up oh, there sick. <laughs> you know yeah it's just a college town so it was like yeah we're gonna do you know we're gonna do a sale we wouldn't even open the shop until midnight that's that was the time we would open it, and then you know everybody just be drinking, hanging out. We'd have a DJ, and then like they were crazy. You know, kids would come; it'd be packed, and we sell so much shit just because we're open from like midnight to three in the morning. Yeah, you like made the event, you know. It's a- yeah, yeah, it was a, it was the vibe of the whole thing. You know, it's like come and play Xbox. We don't give a shit. You know, where's the cool? Where's the coolest spot? Um, hey, did you actually travel to capture some of the stuff on in the magazine? Did you get to travel anywhere really sick? Yeah, I went a lot of places, um, you know, mainly like L.A., Denver, um, you know, New York City a ton, obviously. I've traveled all of, 
you know, I don't even count like the Northeast as really like travel. Yeah. But um, traveled everywhere in the Northeast, and we did a lot. I was running trips for a while for like every single issue. Um, and we do a skate trip to like just a a different you know city in the Northeast just for fun, and um, those were pretty crazy because. I really got to see, you know, you don't get to see the gritty parts of a of a town until you go there and actually skate, you know, and and you, because that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, but crazy shit would happen on those trips, and it was it was kind of cool to see the other side of a lot of those different cities in New England. Man. So. Yeah, like um, like street sessions for skateboarding. It's kind of like controlled chaos, like. Yeah. Yeah, with everyone there and just kind of in the middle of a city, searching around. Sometimes you end up in the like heart of the project somewhere, and you don't know that area or like, oh, yeah. dude, some wild stuff. Or you know, people are drinking, smoking, whatever. You know what I mean? So, definitely. yeah, I think most of the time I ended up being on um, security detail, pretty much. Oh, like just watching for the dude to come so you don't get kicked out. Well, mainly just watching the photographer's gear and the filmer's gear so that it doesn't get stolen because it was like you know we went to some places that were really hood and um i just remember just like holy shit like we're outnumbered you know seven to one here right now and they don't want us here you know yeah we're just trying to get a shot and this this kid you know these photographers traveling around with ten thousand dollars worth of gear yeah it's insane dude i always feel really bad for the filmers and the photographers i've had two crazy experiences one was in LA, uh, california i think it was highlands uh, there's a rail at the school and we're skating this rail and my homie has all his equipment on him and these two these two no there's three kids and they were younger than us they were like they looked like they were like 15 16 and we were like 20s and they roll up and they're like let, let us get the camera and we're like what like they're little kids just yeah. trying to punk us for the camera like no way they actually had a gun on them though they pulled Holy the gun out. yeah they pulled the gun out and uh what what happened oh right when they pulled the gun out they start walking towards him and he's backing up he's like no 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 and then as he's doing it a cop rolls by literally rolls by with the lights on too and we're like, oh, I like point at it. And they like look and then they just start backing up and they just walked away. But they really were going to try to steal this dude's like, like you said, it was like fucking $10,000, especially like all the photo equipment and crazy. Oh, yeah. But we got away from that, dude. And then I landed the trick after that. Like my nerves are so pumped and my adrenaline was going. I was yeah, like, right? okay, let me try like three more times. And then I got it. And it was like we were freaking out because we got a gun pulled on us and we still got the trick. It was fucking sick. That's awesome. It worked out. Yeah, I was like, and then the other time was Westgate. We're in the hood up near Boston, and it's just like midday on a weekday, and there's like had to have been 40 adults outside just drunk and high in this park, and we're skating, and I'm just like, it was like not sketchy, but it was just a full party, and I was like, I felt really bad. I'm like, these are like full adults, like fucking wasted in the middle of the day. There was little kids riding around and shit. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Fuck. You there? Oh, shit, we broke up. Hold on, listeners. We're going to get him back. Yeah, another thing with one of the trips I did out to uh, Amen. Hold on, hold on. Can you see me? Yeah, I can see you. Hold on. You were saying one of the trips you were on? Yeah, we, we did a trip to uh, Rochester, New York. And uh, we, I forget the name of the park, but it was like right downtown. And it, it was 
was a, it was a nice day, but it's the there's a bus stop down there, and this was years ago, but um, we were down there and we started setting up, and we had a couple guys skating this ledge, and there was a ton of people just you know hanging out at the bus stop, and they were like, "Yo, do you guys got any money?" And we're like, no, dude. Like, we literally, none of us had any money. And they're like, well, then you can't be here without any money. And the dudes that we had been with, who we came with, they're like, dude, wait for us to get down there before you go down there. But we got there early, and we were outnumbered, like, seven to one, man. And they were not happy about it. Like, they were literally just screaming at us the whole time. Luckily, those dudes rolled up. And so we had a good 12 guys with us. But they wanted, you know. They wanted us out of there. They wanted our gear. They wanted everything. They were just, they were bullshit about it. So, but luckily then we had a big, big crew and we skated the spot the rest of the day. But I saw some crazy, crazy shit on that trip. Did you, um, did you go to Credco, the skate shop? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's where we started. So we linked up with all those guys and they were like, you know, they gave us all the good, good points around the city and stuff. But they told us that spot. They're like, wait till we get down there. They're like, you're good if you got a big group. But if you don't, like, it's definitely sketchy. Yeah, there's some parts up there for sure that you got to be careful, man. You're a target, yeah, for sure with all that. <laughs> Crazy. Big time, yeah, and that's what what it was. You know, they you know they see the camera and they're like, that's expensive. <laughs> yeah. So, we'll take- but there were good times, and I, I, love, I loved running the trips. Um, even though they were like, they were nothing glorious, it was cool to get to see the other side of a lot of those just – you know, your Hartfords, your New Havens, Springfields, Manchesters, Providence, all those, all those like New England towns, Albany stuff, but yeah, they had a really good time. All those cities you just said are awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. All right, well, all right. And don't get me wrong, like, you know, out west and Cali is sick and shit too, and I've had great times out there, but um, New England's fun. There's a lot of good stuff around here. Yeah, there's so much culture and like history. It's it's insane, man. Even just Boston and Providence, I go to those cities all the time, and every every weekend I'm there, I'm just like in awe of the craziness. I'm like, this city's sick as hell. Like, right? And we live so close to New York too. It's just four hours away, and that's the world's capital. You know, like insane. I know. Um, I wanted to move ahead a little bit. Yeah. Because you just recently announced that you guys are going just digital now, right? Yeah, yeah. So. 35 issues, uh, like a little over nine years. Yeah, we, we decided we're going to do that. Wow. And it, was that, that's kind of a, I imagine that's a hard hard decision to make. What do you have to do? What's the process to downsize? Or Well, you know, again, we, when we started in the beginning, we were like, I don't think any of us really thought we would make it further than, you know, 10, 15 issues. Yeah. You know? Um, and it turned into a bigger thing and we just kind of ran with it and everything we did, we ran with it. There was no, like, we didn't sit down and think, oh, this was the, this is where we've got to be this year. And these are, these are the sales goals and these are the targets that we got to hit and all this shit. Yeah. We just rolled with it and we learned everything along the way, you know, and we fucked up. I mean, plenty <laughs> of times I'll be the first to admit and we all knew. I mean, we lost contracts, we lost friends and at family, everything. I mean, we we made mistakes too, but um, it it's been a long, long road. And um, you know, we came out with the 35th, and 
it was so much further than what we ever envisioned we'd do. And I think we were all just kind of satisfied that we had done so much um, up to that point. And we're all at way different spots in our life. It's been almost a decade, you know. So um, for us, I think it was a good mutual time to like, you know, and we're not saying that we're not ever going to print again, but it was just a good time to put print on hold. Um, because for nine something years, we had a deadline over our head. Yeah. We never had, you know, you think about that. There was never a time that we didn't have a deadline because the second you finish one issue, you're already behind on the next one. Uh-huh. And yeah. You're behind on the next one. So it's like you're working two, three issues ahead all year round. And, um, it's a lot, man. It's a huge, huge commitment. It's like, it's, it's like a, child like having a a kid i guess i don't know i couldn't but it's a big commitment for all of us and um, still we're still doing online we're still doing apparel and events and all that stuff um we're just we're just kind of morphing um and this is allowing us to all of us to work on side projects and stuff that we've always wanted to do that we've just never had time for. So that's right. Um, that's... It was exciting and, and dead serious. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's rad because when you think of like a uh, transition in magazine and print and stuff, it always seems gloomy, you know, like it's a dying medium. You always hear that shit. You know? yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I always wonder about the technology and moving forward and stuff. And I get it's hard to shed like old ways and stuff, but I mean, it makes sense for progression and to use the tools that are more relevant in this generation, you know? Well, you know, it's, it's no secret that the industry is, is, you know, having a hard time right now and, and then I'm, you know, that goes for print and the action sports industry and so on. Yeah, it's just so much that we want to, that this was just a mutual decision between all of us that we were excited to kind of move on to the next chapter and kind of more into other projects that we wanted to do. So um, having to produce a magazine and do it at the level that we want to do it at um, is a lot, a lot of work. I mean, yeah, you saw that 35th. It's like, <laughs> where the hell do we go from there, you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a perfect time for you to explain the 35th because when I got this box, my lady opens up all my boxes because she's super excited. It's like Christmas, even though she doesn't get nice, it. Nice, <laughs> But uh, when she opened that box, she was like, holy cow, like the cassette tape and like all this stuff. Like break down the contents of that. Yeah, dude. Um, thank you. I appreciate that you guys liked it so much too. So, but the third collaboration we put together probably for some. I don't have an exact time frame, but it was probably eight to nine months yeah. that we were working on that. So in that time, we were also producing two other issues, thirty-three and thirty-four. Nice. Um, but the whole time, we knew that we wanted to do something big for thirty-five. So. Um, we brought on Trajan, uh, aka Karma, um, who's done a ton of, you know, music production here in Boston and kind of, you know, founded the, the hip hop scene here. What's his, what's his full name? Trevor Karma Gendron. So, um, Trevor, you know, was super, is, is a huge print, like, aficionado and had been a big fan of the Mac. 
wagon. Um, happened to be a local guy who um, was really, really in tune with what we were doing, and we had wanted to do something with him for a long time anyway. Um, so we reached out and were like, hey, what do you think about being like our first guest curator? You know, we've collaborated on all these covers with artists and musicians and all these other people in the past, but we'd never done a guest editor. So um, Trevor had extensive, you know, packaging background as well through the record industry. Um, so he was like, dude, I'm all about it. And so we we just started powwowing on these ideas and, you know, we started going crazy with it. And um, we had a lot of fun, but, you know, Trevor is just so, so into it and just had so many good ideas that finally all came together. I mean, it was a long, long, long process <laughs> to bring it together. But he wanted to do this denim theme and we're like, let's do something we've never seen before. Let's do a limited edition magazine that has a full like denim wrap around the top like a sewn on um yeah so we did it we we found denim and if <laughs> we we bought all the pockets and we had them all custom sewn and we treated all this denim in the where our office is this huge buildings these huge rings of denim that were like hundreds of feet long and we just went up and like just went crazy on treating this denim with all this different stuff. So each one of those is hand treated with whether it be paint or oil, there's like candle wax on there. And then we skated on all of them and bleach. That doesn't even have all the collaboration stuff, but we gave Trevor full creative license to do whatever he wanted with this, with these 250, you know, limited edition copies, and then we let him curate the whole magazine. So he got to pick out all the content um, and based on who he wanted to interview, and really gave creative direction and contribute some of his own artwork. Um, and then we, of course, featured an interview with with him as well. So it was a lot of fun and um, just an incredible. And it, it ended up coming out. He was like, dude. I don't think you can pull this shit off. He's like, I've done like, I mean, he's done like ODB's packaging. He's done like the Raekwon purple tape. He's done all that shit, like crazy shit. And he's sitting there and he's like, dude, I don't think you're going to be able to pull this off. And I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to insult you, but this is a lot of shit. Like, but literally the day that they, they were the day before the release party in Boston. Um, we still didn't have everything, and everything like five different pieces of the whole thing got aired in that day. Damn, like on the spot, like let's do it. So they finally got put together the day before. Hold on, man. Skype's shit in the brick. Moving parts. There's, you know, there's a mixed tape in there. Hold on, Skype shit a brick, sorry. It's not a perfect yeah. system. <laughs> we were doing good, we were doing good. Yes, yeah, it's, it's funny that Skype sometimes, like, some interviews are flawless, and then others, like, cut out a lot, and they got to stop the flow of it. Ideally, oh, I, I like doing them in person, but... I know how that goes, man. We, especially, like, we're trying to we interview a lot of European people, and it's tough. Yeah. So what was the what was the mixtape? I have it right here. So to avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a mix. And then 
So 7L of, of uh, Zarface produced that, and he took samples of, you know, musicians that we featured in the magazine. They, he did some of his own stuff, so... 7L and Esoteric, and we had, we had interviewed Esoteric a few issues back, um, but they're great friends. They all went to school together and whatnot. So Trevor asked 7L if he would produce the mixtape, and we're like, let's do a tape because nobody does a tape anymore, you know? <laughs> and I guarantee kids probably got it, and they're like, what the fuck is this? What is this thing? But... It's really good. It came out good, man. I didn't even know you could still get a custom cassette made, but we did it. Um, that was kind of the, one of the easier parts of the whole thing. Was it but cheap? We, we tried to, it wasn't. It wasn't cheap, but it was. It wasn't super expensive either. Yeah, that, it's an outdated technology. You think that? I mean, I guess that brings nostalgia, and people want them. I guess I don't know. <laughs> you think they should? I'm assuming probably the right. I'd be the dude that be free. I'd be the dude that like has all my shit on cassette tape. No, but it's probably uh, you there. Yeah, 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 I'm here. All right, hold on, hold on. We're gonna let Skype catch up. You motherfuckers, Skype. I'd be the dude that has his all his music. I'd be like an artist. I have all my shit on cassette, and then they're like, we're switching to DVDs, and I'd throw it all out, and then you'd be fucked. <laughs> right, I know. I know. Well, that's the thing is like everyone's putting out records too now, and that's like the big thing. But you know, what are you gonna do? Put out a fucking CD right now because people will be like, "Dude, what? Yeah, what is this?" <laughs> and we're not gonna put a, you know, we're not gonna put an iPod in the damn thing. So um, it was. I just think it was kind of a fun idea. And if you actually take the time to put it in a cassette player, it's pretty cool. So yeah, the sound. It's different sound. It's awesome. So that was just one little part that we did of that. We tried to collaborate with everybody that we worked with um, in the issue, which was challenging because, you know, there's a lot of different pieces and some of our writers are in L.A. or, you know, the people we were working with are in Europe or whatever. But um, I thought it ended up coming out really good. We we did more than we kind of set out to do initially. We just kept adding ideas. Yeah, it seemed like you guys were like, fuck it, like, let's just, because yeah. you guys went fully ham. Did you know it was going to be the last, is this the last issue? Yeah, that's the last one that we've produced to date, yeah. So, no, I didn't, I really didn't know that, and um, we just, we, we did it, we did this phenomenal release party in Boston at Good Life, and everything was awesome, and um, it was just kind of like after that, it was like, where do we go? And I know that we could keep progressing and keep pushing, and and maybe we will. We're not saying we won't print 36 or 37 or 38, but for right now, it's just it was kind of a good like stopping point for all of us. And I think um, it wasn't really just a call that I made, but when we sat down for our meeting and discussed it, we're like, damn, you know, everybody was like really really happy about it and just not in like a bad way we were just like it's yeah. time to celebrate you know because we worked our asses off for so long um and we did you know we we drank all the booze in the office and passed around the patron until it was gone and <laughs> skated skated around cranked the music and um 
Yeah, I think I had to actually ride my bike back into the office the next day because <laughs> I had to leave my car there. But um, it was, it was a, good, a good fucking night. Yeah, it was a good night, man, and it was unexpected. And um, but it was a great, you know, I just think it was a great note to go out of print on with the 35th. And um, but we're still gonna offer all the interviews and stuff that we would have done on the website. So is that the main focus is the the website and just getting all the content on there and still are you going to release like issues on on the website or is it just going to be like you know, in stream? That's a good question that we haven't really 100% decided that but I don't think we're going to because I'm not I've never was a huge fan of online publishing and we always printed the mag we always published it online for free. Yeah. But we're all artists and we're all like super into print and we're like, look, if we can't do it at this, this level that's like way up there, then why, why do it? And so for us too, it's, it's hard because not every interview you do is worthy of going into print. So now we can, you know, do a ton of different stuff, experimental stuff, do it online, but we want to focus more on, you know, more collaborations, um, whether it be product or, um, you know, we had talked about doing some stuff for some um, album releases and stuff like that that are in the works. There's just so many other projects. Literally, I have not stopped since that. And I think a lot of people look at me and they're like, oh, you guys are done printing. Like, you must be just sitting around all day, you know, and like not doing anything. And it's like, I've been busier now because, you know, I'm on so many other projects that I've always wanted to, to do. Yeah, that's it. That it's awesome. You know, it's awesome. And there's a lot of other ideas that we've had in the past that we never had a chance to focus on. So Yeah, that's so cool, man. I really, I really applaud you guys, man. And uh, I really like the gold on the edge. You had the, the edge of the paper all gold. I like that. That's 24 karat, man. So if you scrape that off and weigh it, yeah. Hopefully times don't get... 24 karats, you know, paint. But uh, <laughs> that was just one of those little things that was just a, a subtle touch. And, you know, not everybody appreciates print. But if you get it, you get it and you like it and you understand it. Um, if you don't, I'm sure people, are, you know, who just want to read it online, that's cool too. Um, but for us, like I said, we're just kind of print junkies and... We just want to do stuff at a, a really high level, so it's cool um, to grow like to grow from something like that, like a brand. To take a brand and grow it through a medium like print, and then transcend and grow past it. Like it's cool to have roots. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I totally. It's a unique story for us because I mean, how many other? You know, we've kind of morphed. Um, you know, one of my side projects is is like this design house that I've been doing, and it's Steve's design, but. Um, focusing on all these other design projects that I've wanted to mess with and stuff, but um, it's a unique background that we've printed for nine years. And I mean, print is a, as you can imagine, is not an easy game. And you know, to be able to do it for as long as we did, I think there was a lot of people who were like, "There's no way they can go past." Especially if you saw the shitty, you know, black and white copies we were putting out in the beginning. I'm sure, you know, my friends and professors were like, what the fuck is wrong with them? But like, Why does the magazine come with a bunch of glue and tape on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, these pages are stuck together. Like, <laughs> but, you know, we... What were you guys doing? What were you guys doing? What yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think some of that was for us, too, was just kind of that motivation, too, of, of putting out something better every single time. Um, 
and we're never saying that it was great and we will always work within such a small budget yeah um, you know you can come out of the gate you know being the best thing ever but we didn't have investors or anything like that we just worked with what we had you just so. make it fucking happen dude if you want to do something you, yeah. money money can't be the motivation like it can be a small factor but it can't be the only motivation so if you really want to create something, just fucking start, and you'll be amazed at how far it takes you. Like, if you really dedicate yourself to to anything, like, it's cool. And that's how you know it's going to grow is if it's not – if because a lot of people chase the money, and they're like, I'm doing this. I want to get rich. I want to do – it's like yeah. a money scheme. And then you realize, you're like, dude, it takes so much effort, time, and work, and all this stuff that if the money comes, that's amazing. But that can't be the only thing that drives you because sometimes the money doesn't come, and you got to put money yeah. into it. It's the ebb and flow of things as as they grow, you know? Yeah, totally. You know, you know, more often than not, most businesses don't, you know, succeed past the first year. And, and for us, like I said, it was always about passion and we always printed exactly what we wanted to print to. And I think that's another part of, you know, our stubbornness was like, you know, we were offered trips to go places and do write ups on other, tri you know, company trips and stuff like that or or on, you know, products and shit like that. Paid editorial. But we never took any of that because to us it was like, you know, I always thought that we should just stay as true to the reader as possible and not sell them some, you know, bullshit um, advertising editorial. So all of our advertisers were 100% down with the fact that, like, look, here's your ad space. This is what you get. You're advertising. You back us and you're basically backing the magazine to let us do, you know, be creative and do what we want to do and print what we want to print. So, um, you know, props to all of them too, for really sticking with us and, and dealing with that because not a lot of magazines or publications do that anymore. And I mean, I don't think a lot of people recognize that, but I do when I open up a magazine, I'm like, okay, this article's, you know, all about this trip. And then I see that that brand is like their biggest advertiser. And I'm like, well, of course it's going to be a sick trip because you know, you got to eat and dine for free and shit, you know, the whole time. So yeah. it's like, and I get it. I, you know, I've been there. Yeah, but I think the problem with that is that when you allow, like, when you're trying to create something, it's like if you're a skater and you're trying to create a video part and your sponsors are like, we want you to be more hash or more whatever. Yeah. Like, they're stealing your style and now you're like, now you're working for someone. You're like, fuck. Like, I started out yeah. creating something for me and my friends and us and Inspired, and now I'm just working for someone. Like, there's got to be a healthy balance. Like, I can I can understand taking money, but they got to allow you to do you. That's my thing. Like, that's with my yeah. podcast, too. Like, I've had sponsors in the past with the podcast, and moving forward, if I have any sponsors, they're going to just have to allow me to be me and talk. And, like, imagine if they were like, hey, Anthony, we want to sponsor your podcast, but you have to, like, go to some uh, – some classes and learn how to have etiquette. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> or, or, or you have to interview, um, you know, their other sponsored riders or yeah, you have to I... interview on the brand and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, look, if we're down with it, we're down with it. But I'm not, you know, I'm not just going to sell that out and like tell our readers like, yo, this is the best shit ever because that's not genuine. Yeah. You know, so, but you, you know, like you said too, which is really fucked up is how many, how many skaters I'm sure you know, you know, have been told like, dude, you're a really sick skater and your your clips are good, your part is good, your style's good, but you don't have enough attitude or or you're not hesh enough. Or we want you to play this role. Or you're too nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and they never get to excel because of that. And that's fucked up. That's very that's fucked really, up. And there was pressure like that a lot, man. They're basically telling you they can't do nothing for you, and then they're just insulting you. We were talking about that earlier. <laughs> yeah. How about no? Yeah. Just say no and let me go be myself. You exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I, it's become more about selling a brand image um, anymore with a, with a lot of stuff, which, you know, it's kind of a bummer, but it's I guess it's probably always been that way to some extent. Maybe just not as much now with um, all the social media and online stuff because I think everybody just wants to sell a quick product and and try and be cool, you know, on Instagram for yeah. fifteen minutes. I really so. like I really like what the internet's done. I know it sucks for print and like things like that, but I really like the internet because now everyone kind of has a channel or an avenue to yeah. find what they like specifically. You know, like. You can do and say and be whatever you want now, and you can share that and broadcast, and you can connect with the people that are into that thing, you know? So now you don't have to fit into the mold, you know? Like when – I, I rem- like you said, like skateboarders with sponsors and stuff, and it's like these these are the big sponsors that put the ads in the mag, so we want skaters that look like this, that are cool and this and that. Now it's like so dispersed. If you can put something cool together, it's like you can get appreciation for it and see it, you yeah. know? It's amazing to me. I love the internet and how, what it's done. Do, you, do how do you feel about the internet? <laughs> well, you know, to be honest, I see two sides of it. Like you just said, that's the beauty of it. Is like, you know, for us, we could publish for free and reach the whole world. Yep. Um, and I think the it's amazing that you can self-produce now. Yep. Like I said, you know, nine ten years ago when we started this, you couldn't make a one-off book. You couldn't do, uh, you, you know, YouTube wasn't even around. You know, so it was like. You couldn't just put out a video blog or anything like that. You you had to look at it in different avenues. And now you can like you can come up with one prototype for one product, you can throw it on Kickstarter and get, you know, two hundred thousand dollars in backing. Crazy. Or something that you've only made a prototype for and next thing you know you're shipping the world um, for this little idea that you did in your in your, you know, basement. But you couldn't 10 years ago. No way. Yeah, no way. So in that aspect, I, I love the internet because it can, um, it can facilitate so much more growth. But, um, I also think there's a lot of fluff out there too, which really sucks because I also think that like the shit that gets a lot of hype a lot of times, um, is just garbage and the stuff that is, can be really genuine and, you know, and really thought out and where you can tell where people spent time on it gets overlooked because it's not like this like quick, you know, meme or whatever the hell, you know, it's like these, you know, just stupid clips that people put together to just get their 10 seconds of fame. So yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough one. I'm going to say that right now because I mean, I have the podcast and all this stuff and I do the event and I do all this stuff because I want to stay relevant in what we're doing, and I love yeah. skateboarding, and I want to like actually grow something and people to know what it's about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, taking those shortcuts, like you're gonna get a bunch of followers and stuff that are just following you for some silly meme, you know? And if you're, yep. I mean, if that's what you're about, cool, and that's gonna be rad. You'll have those people. But I mean, if you're growing something, you should grow that thing, and it'll attract those that are interested in it. You know? You shouldn't have to take shortcuts. It just takes a long time to build something, you know? There's no shortcuts to it. Even when you get that shortcut and you get all those followers, it's like they're just following you for that that dick joke. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And that's like, 
and I think that's the thing that's changed so much. And um, it's hard for people to understand that now that it's like, okay, you can you can gain all these followers and stuff. But I try telling kids, I'm like, so but what did you actually do? Yeah. What did you actually produce? Like, what are you going to, you know, in five years, even in three years when that's totally dead and gone and, you know, your, your 10 seconds of fame is up, what are you going to tell people you actually fucking did? Yeah, absolutely. That's what you're going to look at and go, uh, well, where is this now? You know, that nothing anymore because the internet moves so fast. So I just think that a lot of kids see that false sense of fame and they think that that's like a big, big thing to strive for. And unfortunately it's like, well, you know, do your thing and like, that's cool if you want to do that, but I don't know that that's going to carry you for the next 10 years. Yeah, it's very short-sighted thinking. Sure, you're just going right for the golden basket right away, and then there's like, you you fall. (laughs) Um, I agree, man. I don't know. You should just follow what you're into. Find something you love and pursue that. And then with the tools we have nowadays, just show yourself growing with it and progressing at it and getting better. Like, I try to always show the, like, behind-the-scenes stuff with social media and the podcast, too. Like, like this one's barely going to – I'll clean it up a little bit, but I like to leave them unedited because it's just, yeah. like, it's cool to see someone get better at something and see progression. And, you totally. Know, I don't know. You shouldn't – I think that inspires people, and you'll get followers that way, too, if you're just real and do what you're into. And if we, if you're really into it, there's going to be other people really into it, you know? So, you, get the right, you get the right people, you know, following you and the right people looking at you as opposed to just, you know, getting a bunch of people that are like, oh, this is what's trending right now. Because at the end of the day, you know, when that's not trending anymore, they don't give a shit. They're on to the next thing that's trending. Yeah, so, and you're back at stage one again with, like, nothing. With nothing, yeah. So <laughs> it's hard to kind of explain that and – um it's I think a lot of that's because social media is so new still. Yeah. Um but you know, I remind people all the time, I'm like, you know, when I, you know, first started Steez, MySpace was the biggest thing in the world. It was it was God, you know, and yeah. I don't think people even know what the hell MySpace is now. Scary, scary. So you know, heroes will fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's insane, um, I think I look at it like the it's a fucking virtual reality. It's another thing, an extension of ourselves. It's our fucking avatar. That's where our social medias are and stuff like that. So it's like it's almost as relevant as your real life at times. The way yeah. people perceive you and see you like people. It's so funny because the technology is so new and you see people that don't realize that they're putting up stuff that's like makes them look bad because they don't realize that everyone sees it you ever see, like old people are like just <laughs> <laughs> really, you're like wow they really don't understand like what's yeah. going on they don't know how to share they don't know how to, like no editing. No, thank god my parents don't have you know any type of social media or any desire to do it i couldn't even imagine that. yeah imagine the photos they would have put up with you <laughs> in diapers like just <laughs> first just asking me stupid questions all the time how the hell do we what's it like mean you know it's uh <laughs> Like, Andrew, your Nana's just always blowing up your fucking yeah, right? Facebook with comments. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know what trips cool. me out is I think about, like, think about 20 years in the future. Like, the people that are going to be inheriting the Earth are going to have a full virtual reality since birth. They're going to have, like, an alter ego. Or not an alter ego, but they'll have, like, an avatar. Like, yeah. think about the, you know what I mean? People already now, you know, are having just that as an option. Two personalities, two light, or not two personalities, but two fucking of them. It scares me a little bit about how much shit people share, and I think that 
you know, I don't think you realize that, especially when you're younger. Yeah. Um, the shit that you put out there could be, could stay up there forever. Yeah. You know, or, you know, in the next 10, 20 years, like you said, you can go back in somebody's timeline and basically see their whole existence to some yeah. extent. And that shit, that shit when you're young and you don't have much experience, you're putting out stuff that's going to yeah. define you, define people's perceptions of you for a while, you know? <laughs> totally, man. Totally. But, but it's a current stream, so you got to move with it. If you show everything, it's a stream. So if you show everything and you're authentic and you know who you are, that's the goal is, like, find out who you are and what you're into and just trust that you're a good person and don't be afraid to make mistakes, even online and all that shit. Yep. Know that you'll grow past it, own it up. Like, use it as a stream of information and knowledge totally. to keep growing. And, and that's, like, a good way to use the technology. Yeah, totally, man. No, I couldn't agree more. Do you ever think about doing a Steez podcast? You know, we talked about it. I wanted to, I actually wanted to do like a, uh, underground radio station. Sick. Like, totally illegal, like, just fucking, you know, get a broadcast antenna and, and just like go for it. But, take like, take like an old microwave and put an antenna and like somehow yeah, shoot it out into the galaxy. Like, how do you get like a station or anything? But I, um, uh, I had some people look into it for me like probably a year and a half, two years ago. Um, we were thinking about doing a video thing and then like a radio thing and there was just, but yeah. Hold on, Andrew. Sorry, 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 sorry. Hold on, hold on. Still there? Yeah, hold on, hold on. Did I lose you? Yeah, hold on. Damn, sorry. But I want to pick right back up. I'm here. Can you see me? Okay. You're like, there you are. All right. Yeah, yeah. I want to pick up right where I left off because I heard you say uh, we were talking about getting into broadcasting, doing a pirate radio. How did you look into it? Um, I had a couple people look into it for me, and I was like, you know, I wanted to see what it would take and, like, what it would cost and how to do it, and um, it just was one of those things, and we, we discussed it for a while. We looked into doing maybe a video series because we, we had access to, like, you know, um, public television, like, distribution Sick. throughout New England or the Northeast, so um, through one of our guys, but... It was just a whole other thing that was like, okay, we're producing a magazine. Do I have time to, you know, produce a whole other show or radio show? And then um, with the pirate radio thing, um, as stupid as it seems, they still bust down on that shit pretty hard. And we were trying, we, we've been trying to get an interview with some of the pirate radio stations that got busted up in Boston, like in the last two years. Um, but it's been really hard to make contact with some of them, but they came in, they like fucking stormed their uh, studio and confiscated all their computers, all their soundboard equipment, stole all their shit. Why? What the fuck? So I know, stupid. Like, just over radio, like broadcasting their own radio, and it's not even like the signals. I mean, if you're in downtown Boston, all right, your signal, if it's okay, you could reach enough people, but you know, unless your antenna is in a really, you know, urban area you're not going to reach a ton of people because the broadcasting power is not going to be enough. Yeah. But and it's yeah. still pretty expensive to do too. So, 
But yeah, that, that's kind of shitty, and I really didn't feel like dealing with that. <laughs> you can do, you should do the podcast though. I don't know. I think more, yeah. more people should do podcasts. There's video podcasts as well. But honestly, you have so many connects with people through the ma- years of magazines. You could have amazing conversations with epic people and uh, put those out there because. I, people listen to podcasts like crazy. Like you're working all day, you got something, you're driving, you're traveling. Totally. It makes the time fly. You know what I mean? Because you're listening, you're learning, you're getting new information and data. Like depending on what you listen to, sometimes I just listen to dick jokes because comedians. <laughs> like I slap my ass off. I'll be at work listening to like uh, Fighter Fighter and the Kid um, podcast, which is really awesome. You guys should check that out. And it's just like a lot of jokes, dick jokes, and funny stuff but still i'm laughing at work you know what i mean like totally. i wouldn't normally be and then a lot of times i'll listen to like some uh, npr podcasts and uh there's a few philosophers and historians on there that i listen to um but it's awesome because it's about that steady stream you know what i mean and i thought of, i thought about that sorry you go ahead <laughs> you go ahead <laughs> no I, I thought about that too with like because a lot of the interviews that we ran in print um, they're like 3,000 words, but that's really only about a 20-minute conversation. Yeah. Um, a lot of the interviews were an hour, hour and a half, sometimes over two hours. And, you know, we have to be all that information, cut it all down to fit within nine pages. Yeah. You know, in 3,000 words, you know, you're taking 12,000 words and you're basically taking out a ton of it and, and trying to – keep the most relevant stuff. So um, there's a lot of good information that still doesn't get to go, you know. That is the beauty of print, but at the end of the day, too. It's a restriction as well, though. It is, big time. Because you can't, with the audio, you can pick up on people's, like, sense of humor and all these other little intricacies that make the interview that much more more, uh, depth to the interview, even if it's a mistake or anything. Like, so with print, it's awesome. But, like, because I grew up, like, having my story like i talk about this a lot on the podcast and for those that don't want to hear my story i'm fucking <laughs> sorry but Fuck I, off. <laughs> I fucking grew up in a gnarly situation man broken family all that stuff and like i don't know i'm not the most natural talented skater like i had a lot of issues when i was young and i go out to skate but more as like a way to express myself go it's a lot of times i was angry and i couldn't really land tricks but i was trying to have fun and like you know so every print av- Every print article I had, I was like, look, I just wanted to tell people, like, what was going on in my life so they could understand me better. So, like, my style and my skating would make more sense, you know? Like, I don't know. I felt, and I always tried. I always talk about all my stories and stuff. But in print, it's like, it just never translates the same, yeah. you know? it's You can be taken, misquoted. It can be taken out of context. Like, I don't know. The beauty of the podcast is I can say whatever the fuck I want to say. You know what I mean? I got shit, cunt. Yeah bitch ass fucking dickhead like say whatever I, whatever i want you know um and we just have to talk about it you know so it's like we can go back and forth so i don't know i think a podcast and do you have tapes of all those interviews like recordings yeah yeah i do for the most part um i have them and then there's ones that never even you know never even got released before we have yeah. several interviews that never came out because we couldn't get photos or you know just some crazy shit happened or we never we never got to follow up or you know just whatever so i don't even know how many of those are in the backlog but um there's probably a good handful 
It'd be right. sick because you could just release a podcast with the recordings you have and just clean up oh, yeah. a little bit, and you would just have this content, and it would be so sick for people to hear it for the first time without, yeah. you know, they read it before, but it's cool to hear it in depth. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I've, we've thought about it. I think I was always like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I put the other writers up, but I'm like, maybe my voice sounds too stupid to freaking, you know, or some of the shit that I said. But No, dude, um, your voice is way better than mine, <laughs> and I have a podcast. I have like 80, this is the 83rd episode. And my- yeah, congratulations on that too, by the way. That's that's huge, man. I remember when you first started doing the podcast, and that's a big commitment once again because, you know, you don't have to follow through with anything, but 83 is a shitload of podcasts, so congrats, dude. Man, thank you so much. Seriously, thank you. I, I started it when I when I think Derek Fukuhara turned me on to Joe Rogan, and I heard that podcast, and I was like, damn, I instantly got what he was doing. I was like, I get it. Like, this is perfect. Like, and I've always been trying to talk and express and share other people's stories and communicate, communicate and grow. It's like, sometimes you, especially if you can't travel or you can't do anything, it's like, if you're stuck in one area, like, how do you get to have conversations with new people? The only way we fucking grow is having these conversations. And it's like an alchemy because you you learn from each other and you take in new, new data. If you're just waking up, going to work, going home you're not taking on any new information unless you're reading tons of fucking books or you're watching pop culture or whatever the fuck that's your stream you know but i don't know i always want to be proactive and like learn and grow and and i like i don't know it's addicting to have conversations with people like you where you've done something cool that i can only i've never even imagined trying or i have imagined but and you told me the hard work and I'm like, yeah, I knew it would be like that much work and that much of a collaboration. And and to see what you guys did is amazing. Like the 35th issue, man, I was blown away. I never seen nothing like this before. And seriously. And uh, yeah, no worries. But um, yeah, so the podcast, man, I don't know. I'm just super addicted to it. Like I just pay the fees and keep going like it's the same with skating. It's like I don't know how to give up on things. I'm like, I don't want to. It's too much fun. I just keep, keep right? doing it. You know what I mean? Like. When I find things like that in my life, I just don't let them go. I find ways to build them into my life, you know what I mean? That's, you know, and that's kind of what it is for us is, you know, print it was always an addiction, I think, for us was, like, how do we make it better and how do we, you know, no, you know, we weren't always on time and, you know, we didn't always have all the spelling and grammar right and all that shit, but um, we tried to always improve every single issue and, and it's just, it's addictive. Once you start doing it, you know, you just, you feel like you have to keep doing something. So, and the hardest part is just starting the damn thing and doing it. But, yeah, they always uh, say, it's so funny, man. They always say, like, to grow, you got to change. You got to, like, let go. And I believe that, too. It's like, you got to let go. Like, we change, we grow. So you let go of the things that got you to who you are. And it's the same with brands, too, and things like that. You grow to a certain point, you got to kind of transcend it. You got to shed it and move with the times and the technologies and stuff like that. So... I mean, it makes sense. Print, print's dying. It just because the other option is so available and just it's a whole other thing, you know. I think they'll all. You think there'll always be like certain magazines that are going to stand the test of times. Uh, did you be freeze? Well, you know, here's my my thing with print um, is that yeah, I think there's always going to be print. But yeah. it's just always going to change, and um, it's it's not always going to have the luxury of of bringing you whatever you know 
whatever it is that they want to do. So, you know, for instance, like newspaper, it, it makes a ton of sense because newspapers covered events and daily current events, but that shit goes up on Twitter in like 10 seconds. So nobody wants to read about it, you know, at 10 a.m. the next day. They're not going to pay you even 50, 75 cents for it. Yeah. Um, so that's how we're already morphing out of that. And I even noticed that with the magazine was, you know, when we first started, we were doing a lot of events coverage and stuff like that. But then we started going to these big events and it was like, well, shit, there's friggin', you know, there's 80 other people here covering this event. And by the time we even get into the media room to upload the photos, somebody's already got this story online. Yeah. And they, they're there and they got the same photos. So we really started getting away from the event stuff. And I think that's where obviously most print doesn't really cover a whole lot of events unless it's like something super exclusive. Like maybe you saw the Burning Man stuff in the 35th. Like that I think tells more of a story. And that's what I tell our photographers when they're going out on an assignment for an event. I said, I don't really give a shit about the band or what they're doing. Everyone knows they're going to be there. But show me the story of like, you know, this couple making out or this, this homeless guy who snuck in or the drunk guy who's getting dragged out, you know, that's the shit that I want to see. That's the shit that everybody wants to see because, you know, other than that, it's just a band on stage, you know, everybody's fucking seen it. So you're not doing anything new. So, yeah, you know, there's a story to be told back there. And I think, um, I think the print that will succeed is probably going to be higher end and it's going to be niche and, and, nice but um there's only going to be a few of those in each market so i don't think that um you know some industries can support a lot more of it some can't it's all runs off of advertising dollars um yeah and it's funny because like if you go to europe there's a ton of fucking kick-ass magazines because they're just like they're kind of I wouldn't say behind us, but they're more into the nostalgia of print and this, you know, the tactile feel of it. Whereas, you know, here in America, we're kind of like, yeah, we either want a magazine we're going to flip through and throw out or we're going to read shit online. Um, we, you know, certain people appreciate, you know, higher end print, but, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's cool. If they get it, they get it. But some don't because a lot of kids aren't brought up on that like you and I were. Like yeah. what we were talking about when we started was that's what I was brought up with. Yeah. That was the only way we got information. I didn't know what the fuck was going. There was no Facebook that told, you know, that showed a picture. So-and-so just, you know, did a 20 stare or whatever that, that or, didn't exist. Or you know? like, or like that fucking dickhead. I broke up with him and did da, da, da. That's what Facebook's I've got a lot of, or like shit like that. Like gossip. I see. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like people argue online. It's like, they don't realize you, why are you arguing online? Like it's a waste. People see you, you know what I mean? That's like a young mistake you make when you get online. Cause you're just like, you don't realize. <laughs> I just saw, I was just watching this show, I was just flipping through, and the girl got arrested because of some shit she posted on Facebook bragging, you know, she bragged about something she was doing, and it was illegal, and somebody just, like, ratted her out, you know, <laughs> and then she took, she took the post down after, like, a half an hour, too late, dude, cops showed up, arrested yeah. her. For Big brother's watching, that's why when I say I smoke weed, I have a certificate right there, it says Animet <laughs> on it, Anthony Shetler, it's got the seal, thank you, Massachusetts. That's <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, is, is there's people, you know, 
there's gonna be people in jail for that, oh. and and there are right now. But in in three or five years, dude, that certificate's not gonna matter anyway. Don't even know? get me started. Don't even get me started about yeah, drugs. That's a whole. That's a whole. Other, but that it's fucked up when you think about that. No, like, dude, that's changed so much in three five years. You, you know, know what? I'm glad you got me started. I totally agree, man. The fact that fucking prison for profit, all these people in jail for drugs, they're self-medicating. Like, like you telling me the war on drugs, there's still problems. People are still doing drugs. Like, the war on yeah. drugs hasn't cured anything. It's just made it worse. And now you're putting people in jail, and you're making money off these people in jail for doing something that's legal in how many states now? How many states? Right. Five states, I think. Washington, Colorado. I don't know. <laughs> But it's right. insane, dude. It's fucking insane. You know, it's a mental health problem, if anything, and they're just put turning these people into criminals. It's insane. My thing is the thing that I think is funny is it's always about, you know, everything's about allegedly safe public safety and saving lives and shit. It's all about money, man. It's all about money. That's what it's always been about. Dude, they don't give a fuck about. No, the people in power do not give a fuck. If they did, we'd have fucking free healthcare and like we'd yeah. put our efforts into fucking knowledge and educated education and health and welfare over bombs. And they don't give a fuck. Like the people in power, like <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm the same, dude. That's my thing. Is like I'm all about the laws of common sense, and it's like you know, they tell you, you know, oh yeah, it's they don't want you going 80 on the highway because you know you might kill somebody. No, they they set that speed limit up so that they can make fucking money off of you. You yeah, know, that's what it's all about. It's the same with the drug stuff too. They turn you exactly. Into, they, they just want to make a profit. They want a customer. They create their customer and then they lock you up. And then the fucked up part is a lot of people that are doing drugs. Like they're not like if they're finding out that the drugs are beneficial for so many fucking mental health problems. And it's like you're locking these people up. It's insane, man. Breaks totally. my heart. Fucked up. <laughs> totally, it makes me. Man. It makes me think about who, the people I grew up with and like my family and people that struggle with these things. And it makes me just be like, damn, it's fucked up. It's just set up from the beginning, you know. Crazy. It's just. I just think it'll be funny to think that you know, like. You, what you could get arrested for now and spend, you know, five years in jail for, in two years would be completely legal and not, you know, not a big deal at all. But you still be doing your jail sentence, you know. Yeah, just, that's like, crazy. That just shows you, like, come on, man. Yeah, they said Obama let some people out of jail. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really follow politics or anything, but I heard Me that. Either, dude. It's too much of a fucking headache. <laughs> I just don't I just believe in personal freedom. Like you should have the freedom to like alter your mood and alter your perspective and like I don't know. Like it's crazy that they fucking drug test at work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that means they own you outside of work. You can't have fun. Yeah. Like I like to get stoned and have fun and they're trying to tell me I can't do that cuz I'm not a responsible adult. And then they fucking <laughs> lost all our money in this big recession. Like fucking bank yeah. robbed us i'm like i don't know i just don't like being fucked <laughs> i hear you dude i hear you i don't know that's why i like the technology too because we can communicate and talk and you can you can build you can take your brand or your idea and find a way like to monetize it with this technology i mean i'm sure they'll try to stop that too i saw the internet like controversy where they're trying to like create lanes slow lanes and fast lanes for the internet oh, yeah. like uh, it's insane to me. I just hope enough people get on and do podcasts and talk and share and connect with the technology that we can grow and enlighten ourselves fast enough that we don't have to fall for the same bullshit or, you know, or at least realize we have power, power in numbers and, and that we live in a country where we're supposed to be fucking free. 
to like, you right? know, it's crazy. It drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if people stand up for that stuff, but it's hard because I think, uh. Well, because they hang know. a fucking paycheck over your neck. They like, exactly. think you exhausted. You have to work so much and you're like, you're not even working doing what you want to do. You have to just do some shit job because you have to go to education that's $40,000 and put you in debt. And it's like, especially if you're from like the, the majority of people, you know what I mean? Like, it's fucked. It's a fucked up right? system. <laughs> they teach you to not pursue what you enjoy and to play it safe. That's the real problem. Crazy. <laughs> money, man. Buy into the system. That's yeah, what it's about. They say the root of all evil is money. I, <laughs> I feel like it's right. I, I don't know that. I don't know yet either because I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like money with the right person. Like I don't know. The more money I get, the more I want to do for others, and I keep trying to like fuel that fire because it's cool to like create stuff and like have people involved like artists like doing a magazine takes a collaboration you guys work together and you guys can put money into it and it can flow and you guys can create stuff and it's fucking awesome you know like that's i don't know you have if you have more friends and good laughs and stuff you'll live a joyful life you know if you're just working trying to be the best lawyer because you want that hundred thousand dollar car which i'm not saying it's wrong like some people want that you know but i don't know that shouldn't be the standard it's like just chasing money I agree, and I think that you hit that on the head with the collaboration aspect, too, of the magazine. is probably the most fun and rewarding part is actually having those conversations with people. I mean, even to this day, like, to me, you know, there's nothing scary about picking up the phone and just calling somebody that you don't know or, you know, or setting up a call with somebody and just being like, yo, can I pick your brain on this? Because you're, you know, you've been through this. You've done this shit. Like, and if the worst they can say is no, but... That's all the, the personal shit that I've gained from a lot of those interviews and those conversations, you know, far exceeds what was, you know, actually gained for the brand or for the magazine after it went to print. Um, because, you know, you hear about people, you know, I've interviewed people who are at like, you know, the total top of their career that, you know, they're known around the world. And to hear them say, well, yeah, you know, I don't know, maybe next month I'm out of business or, you know, or you know, there's no, there's no guarantee. It's still a struggle, Yeah. you know, but that's, that's huge to hear even at that point in the game for them, you know, and just, you know, hear that realness from people. So yeah, that's, you know, that's a huge thing that I've gained from that. Hell yeah. That's a life skill to be able to just network and talk to people and communicate and feel uncomfortable and like, just, oh, it's fucking amazing. That's, <laughs> it's awesome that you did it. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you, what were some of the more, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot, but what were some of your favorite interviews or highlights of the mag, man, besides the 35th? Because, damn, you guys shut it down. <laughs> shit was um, good. <laughs> there's, like, there's so many, but I think one thing that was kind of a rad story was um, I interviewed uh, Estevan Oriel, the He's photographer. Like, he shoots all the, like, you know, he shoots, like, the L.A. gangs and lowriders and shit, and Whoa. he's Mr. Cartoons, like, best friend, and, like, he shoots all Mr. Cartoons tattoos and shit, and, um, and so we did an interview with him, and he was super real. I mean, I was on the phone with him for, like, probably two, three hours, and, which I didn't even know if I could get the dude on the phone, but, yeah, and he's just, you know, super chill dude, but definitely, like, intense. He was Cypress Hill's tour manager for, like, ten years back in the 90s. Yeah. House of Pain, like all these, but he, I mean, did he smoke? He must crazy. have smoked weed if he's the tour manager. <laughs> crazy street cred, yeah, the dude's nuts. So, um, I was going out to L.A. for a uh, for a uh, 
trip and this was like a year after the interview and so you know I like to try and keep in touch with people after I interview them and stuff and you know I'm not always good about it but I figured well going out there I'll shoot him an email and just see what's good so I was like yo Estevan do you mind if like could we stop by the studio and just meet and I wanted to you know just say thank you again for the interview and um she's like yeah dude he's like this this is where my studio is just hit me up when you get here so we went out to LA and we ended up rolling up to this fucking building and it's kind of downtown you know how LA is like it's like when you start getting downtown it's just like buildings but there's not even there's like nobody around ever and it's just like what the fuck is here you know it's like <laughs> downtown LA is so weird to me yeah it's but, like abandoned it feels yeah it is dude it's like these old abandoned buildings that I don't get it but so we're outside of this building, and I'm like, what the fuck? There's no sign. There's nothing. So, like, we go up to the door, and this guy's like, we're waiting there, and I'm like, I'm like texting and emailing, trying to get his assist- assistant, and um, this guy comes, and I'm like, yo, you going to Estevan's? He's like, maybe. So he, like, he knows a code. He gets us in. We go in this front foyer, and um, we fucking, we're in there, and I'm waiting, and then finally, like, we get a hold of an assistant while we're in that floor. He comes down, gets us, brings us up. And um, anyway, Esteban ends up coming through. And we sit in his office and we shoot the shit. And, you know, he's got all these images, famous images and shit. And um, he's showing me all this merchandise. And he's like, yeah, it's all been knocked off or whatever. And so he's going through all these lawsuits. But halfway through their time meeting with him in the office, he just picks up the camera and just, like, disappears. And he's gone, and he's just like, I don't know where the fuck he went. So, like, 20 minutes go by, and we're hanging out talking to some other dudes in the office. And I'm like, yo, um, I go to his assistant. I'm like, dude, you, is there a bathroom up here? And he's like, um, not really. And I was like, well, is there one that I could use? <laughs> and he's like, well, he's like, here's the deal, dude. He's like, there is a bathroom. He's like... You got to go downstairs back into that foyer and then you got to open up the other door on the other side and then it's in there on the left. He's like, I'll take you. So <laughs> I'm like, this is weird, man. This is like sketchy. So we go back down into this foyer and we open up the door on the other side. And before we do it, he's like, listen, dude. He's like, here's the deal. He's like, you're going to go in that room. He's like, and what you see in there, you cannot ever under any circumstance take a photo of that and you cannot he's like because the last person who did that he's like posted that shit online and like he's like they were gonna kill him so i'm like dude i don't know what the fuck is in there but i'm not i promise you i won't do i'm just going to the bathroom and that's it yeah so, like here's my phone hold you can hold my phone my shit right right yeah i was like dude i'm, just, I'm terrified now because <laughs> small dude so he opens this door up dude to this other side and in there is this is the fucking sickest fucking garage you have ever seen before with the sickest fucking low rise in it just totally fucking pimped out and up in the balcony i can see it's mr cartoon's tattoo studio his private like underground fucking tattoo studio and he's up there tattooing a celebrity no shit as i'm going to the bathroom and i can see estefan's in there taking a photo i don't like travis barker who the fuck it is you know yeah but i'm just like going in and i'm like 
I take a leak and I come out and I'm just looking at these cars and I'm just like, holy shit. And you can find, like, he's he was just on Anthony Bourdain the other day with one of the fucking lowriders, dude. And I'm in this garage with them. It's just loaded, packed with them. And I can't take a fucking photo. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, holy shit. So then I like go back out and I, my assistant Michael was up there. I'm like, dude, you are not going to believe what's down in the bathroom, but you can't fucking say anything. They'll probably want to kill me just for saying this shit right now. Yeah, but now. we didn't disclose anything, so. No, exactly. <laughs> you would never know. The, the, the building has nothing to do with it or anything, but. Wait, what's um, that? The address is 11 Sour Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was really gnarly to be like, you know, for him, he didn't have to let me go there, and I know that that's a big deal, like. You know, Cartoon Studio is like nobody's supposed to know where it is unless you're like in, you know, and um, and to actually go and be able to see that shit, I was just like, holy shit. So That's that was cool. a pretty gnarly time and um, it was really cool. There's been a ton of ton of different stories and stuff, but I think for me that was just like really crazy, something that I'll always, always remember because I just – I did not expect that at all. Yeah, is there is there someone you tried to get for the mag that you never could? Oh yeah, there's been um there's been a lot of people um just for different reasons, but like you know, and I'm not going to like call anybody out, but I think, you know, some people are just way too busy. Some people, you know, there's also been people that we talked to for like 2-3 years. Yeah. Before we finally got the interview um on the ground. Um then there's been others that we locked down and then, you know, they never got us photos so we can never do it and we never were able to get a photographer. Um, but yeah, there's been people who declined, but not many. I mean, we even, I went to New York City and interviewed Muska. Yes. Actually. <laughs> Which that was a really memorable trip too because he was just, he had just moved back to New York from LA. Um, and that was at the time of that TMZ shit. Um, oh yeah, right after that. And did you ask him about that? Yeah, we did in private, but I didn't want the interview to be about that because I'm like, we're not a fucking gossip magazine, you know what I mean? And we talked about a lot of shit in private. And um, I mean, I, know, had him, I had him on my podcast, and I didn't ask. I didn't. I didn't remember to because as soon as he came, I got him on the Skype. I started fanning out because it's the fucking must, right? Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, after I was like, I, but after I was like, I should have asked him about that. I don't know if that's inappropriate or not, but that's like one of those things that it would have been interesting to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it a little bit. And, you know, the stupid thing is I actually asked him in the interview about like Paris Hilton or something stupid like that, you know, because they dated. He's like, yeah, you know, she's my girl, you know, like, yeah, we still chill and shit. But um, they had this gnarly, gnarly apartment in Tribeca and um, – you know, he's working on art, but it was a crazy, it was like, I go to the bathroom and there's like, you know, like seven like neck face drawings on the, you know, and then a Gons over here and a Gons over there. And it's just like, you know, it's just loaded with art and street art and like the who's who of, so of anyone. And then we, then we went out to lunch. It was kind of fun too because then um, we skated down to this Cuban restaurant and uh, it was just kind of rad to be in New York City and you're like hanging with Muska and everybody's like, Yo, is that is that who I think it is? But, but kind of funny, funny story with that too is in the morning when we first get there, 
um, we meet him outside of the building and we go down to this coffee shop and, uh, he doesn't even know this. I never even told him this shit. Um, and we're, he, he's like, yo, he's walking this little pug or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> and he's like, yo, you guys want some coffee? And a couple of the guys were like, yeah, yeah, we'll go in with you and get some coffee. And I'm like, nah, dude, I don't even fuck with coffee. Like, it's just not my thing. So he's like, do you mind holding the dog? I'm like, yeah, I'll be the fucking dog walking. <laughs> so I'm holding the dog, right? And we're I'd in like Tribeca. I'd hold the dog too, Andrew. Fucking A. Yeah, so, so – Musk is, like, covered in paint and shit, and he's got, like, this fucking cut-off T-shirt. He's, like, you know, he's grinding his hairs down his back and shit, but he's, he's the Muska. Okay. And so he, they go into the coffee shop, and they're in there getting coffee, and it's, like, Tribeca, and it's all fucking swanky and shit, you know, because it's gentrified now. And these two ladies came, came out, and I'm standing there with a dog, and they're, they come out, and they're, like, having this conversation. They're, like, you know, I think this is the last time that, I come down to this coffee shop anymore. You know, there's just so many like bums going in here. And this used to be such a nice place, such a nice neighborhood. And they're talking about Moscow the whole time, dude. I'm just dying. I'm like, they have no idea who the fuck he is. And they're just out there bitching like, oh, the, you know, this guy with paint on him came in the coffee shop. I'm never going here again. Oh, my God. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Buddy. Fuck you, lady. Fuck you. Right? <laughs> right? I thought it was so funny. But, yeah, and then when we went down to the restaurant, you know, it was kind of – it was cool because everybody's like, yo, is that the Muska? Yeah. And he's just skating along. And But he was – yeah, there was some shit going on at the time with, you know, the brands and stuff. And we, we talked off the record about that. And, um, you know, I, I just definitely uh, – there was a lot of changes going on at that time. And shit that I don't even really – I wouldn't feel comfortable even talking about now because yeah. I think it's still – pretty pertinent but um just a real dude and that was like a really memorable um interview and trip you know the day with the musca so. yeah it's so cool it, the whole time i was talking to him it, like his life story is kind of like mine like the whole family background and yeah. just like yeah when he was talking about like not remembering stuff like i have huge gaps in my memory or i just don't remember anything like i block it out or something i don't know like i have shit still come back to me and i'm like god damn like stuff that happened to me or people i know it's crazy yeah it's gnarly but uh it was crazy to know that he the muska the dude i've been idolizing for years and like was like just attracted to his skating like holy shit like kind of grew up like me that was that was kind of cool to know that he's been able to like create art and find this like balance in his life and i don't know it was rad to do the podcast with him hold on you there? Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, so that's fucking awesome, dude. I'm hyped you got to kick it with the Muska. It's so rad. Yeah, that was a really, really rad one. He's just super genuine dude, and, um, you know, I always remember that interview. For uh, sure. And after that, he ended up moving back to L.A. Yeah. When I had him on my podcast, he had his, he was in the studio, and I could see all his, like, little sculptures in the background and stuff. It was pretty yeah. sick. And he broke it down on the podcast, what he was working with and what he was trying to do. I wanted to ask you, did you have you had a chance to check out the fucking new park they're building right in the city, in Boston? I've been following it, yeah, and I um I was down there the other day. I mean, uh, it was kind of shitty out, and I couldn't really get back in there to like see everything. But it's gnarly, dude. I mean, they're not they're not screwing around with it no, at all. No, that's gonna be like it's gonna it's gonna be like a world destination like type park where people come from all over. It's Boston, you know. So yeah, I'm so excited for it. 
I honestly never, and not to sound, you know, like a fucking negative prick, but I never really thought that that thing would get off the ground. <laughs> because, yeah, right? But, but I mean, it was years, however many years it's been, and there was a lot of money tied up, and, um, you know, and a lot of people asked us to do, there, there was a lot of, like, um, you know, negative press, like news conferences and, and, like, stuff on the news about, where the hell is the money for this park and when's the thing going to be built and all this. And people asked us, shops approached us and asked us to do a piece, but there was really nothing to even talk about because it was just nothing was happening. So yeah, for um, like 12 years or something ridiculous, like ridiculous. And I, I mean, so it's good to see that finally, it's just, um, it's, it's a shame that it takes that fucking long to make something like that happen, but it's hey, like, it's, like it's the, finally going to happen. Yeah, so. it's like the big dig. It just stretched out forever. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I did a podcast recently. It is. It's a big dig of skateboarding, actually. Um, it's a good point. Yeah, perfect. It's Boston. Keep it to Boston. Um, I did a podcast with Canton Russell, the last one I released, and he... Him and his friend Mike, they uh, work for Stantec, and they help get all the red tape cut and get to the skate park and get it help help get it built. So I was pretty stoked on that. Nice. Yeah, well, they're doing a great job, and, I mean, there's uh, a lot of concrete work there. And, and, I mean, I haven't seen seen it in the past couple of weeks, but they were making really good progress. So Yeah, you know what they're doing that's cool is they're taking iconic skate spots from the city and they're putting yeah. they're like the ones that disappeared, like the volcanoes and like uh, a couple other ones that they're gonna bring back and just put back in the skate park, which is awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's kinda like what they were trying to do at, at Maloof. Um I don't even know what's up with that park, if that thing's still rolling or not down there in Flushing. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been that way in a long time, but um yeah, man, I don't know. I think we covered everything. Um it's actually the one thing I wanted to ask you that I'm remembering now was do you guys have are you going to do you have any events coming up or anything that you'd like to promote or share so the people listening can check it check everything out? You know, that's a good point. We I've got a ton of stuff on tap because we're like talking to a bunch of different people, but nothing is like locked solid. Um, I wanted to do, uh, kind of like a, like a thank you for 35 issues, but we just had our huge 35th release. Um, we were kind of going to do one for the launch of our design site, but just got a ton of shit on tap right now. So yeah, there's a bunch of, bunch of stuff in the works, but nothing that, um, I have any like confirmed dates with that I want to throw out there. What so, are the what are the links, social media links and websites that people should check out if they want to check check out anything that's going on with Steez? Yeah, so steezmagazine.com. Um you know, the site has everything on it and um it's stronger than it's ever been and we're, you know, there's a ton of content, a ton of original content too. So, you know, I think we always post up the past interviews and stuff and sometimes we'll put the full length interview Yep. on there but we've got a ton of um original content that we're in the works with and that we've been posting up on there too that you won't find um in any previous issue so steezmagazine.com you can find us on instagram at steezmagazine or on facebook at just steez um, or check out the new design site steezdesign.com for the creative projects too so um yeah. there's there's plenty of places to find us and and twitter too at steezmagazine Fuck so. 
Andrew, thank you so much for coming on and chopping it up, man. And once again, sorry about the fucking Skype, but I'll do the editing and I'll clean this thing up. <laughs> it's it's the government, man. They're they're stealing our bandwidth. They want us to pay more for it. So yeah, well, we're talking about some pretty heavy content. So <laughs> I, I know we're probably been red flagged. They're probably on the do not fly list now. So fuck them. I think I think that, I think the thing is I, the the thing I realize is that like our government is not our father. There's no one watching. You know, like unless. I don't know. I feel like that shit's over with. It's like transparency. You can say and do whatever you want. The real, the real um, people that are going to get you are the masses. You know, like when someone says it's yeah. some racist shit, like general public is going to call that shit out. You don't even have to worry about the cops anymore. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I was just saying. Like that girl that posted that shit on Facebook. Like somebody ratted her out. Like yeah. And- the cops, they don't fucking know. They're not like patrolling Facebook looking for crimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's it's you're right. It's the masses. It's your neighbor who's like, oh, I'm going to stick it to this guy. I'm going to get one over on him now. So that's why I don't post shit on there. When I post something, you know, it's like it's, you know, a big deal for me because I don't, you know, I use it for the business. But other than that, my personal stuff, I don't post a ton of shit on there. But yeah, it's a tool. That's cool. Use it as a tool. Don't let the tool use you, you know. Exactly. That's exactly. Cool. Well, Thank you, man. I really do appreciate you having me on the show, and I'm uh, I'm stoked to uh, get to speak about everything we've done, past, present, and future too. Because you know, putting out the 35th, we didn't announce anything with that because we didn't even know, you know, we were going to do that. So it's cool to get a, a chance to kind of speak to everybody about all that now too. So yeah, because appreciate it. dude, that issue is amazing, and everyone who got it is going to be hyped to hear like how it all has. How it all stemmed from one spot and grew to the 35th, which is sick as hell to be able to share the, the behind the scenes, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so cool. Well, congrats, man. And uh, if I can help in any way, let me know, like, with sharing or anything. And also, remember, yeah. I think I hit you up. My lady and her friend, they, they have a, uh, a brand now yeah. called Hybrid Fit, where it's like, you know, it's pole dancing, but it's also like working out. And they, they help uh, train athletes, basically, for endurance. They build up all these muscles so you don't get hurt, you know? Um they, yeah, so if you ever want to get some photos or get some content going online, let me know, and we could get something going with that, too. Hell, yeah. We're working on a lot of creative stuff for the online, so um, definitely interested in that. So Hell, yeah. Keep in touch, and good luck with the uh, New England Am this weekend, too. Ooh, dude, all day I was like – I was all day I was telling my homie, I'm like, I'm nervous. He's like, why are you nervous? I'm like, I just know how big it's going to be compared to last year, like – because I see everyone sharing it, the hype building, I'm like, it's going to be more epic than it was last year, and that makes me nervous in, like, a good way, you know what I mean? But that's, yeah, and that's good, and that's that real shit like we talked about, you know, that's real shit, that's not a meme, it's just, that's real shit, so it's building, there was a ton of hype, I mean, everybody was pumped on last year's, and it needed to happen, I mean, there's not there's not enough shit that happens, there's nothing really that happens out here on that scale anymore, so. The only reason I did it was because, well, not the only reason, but my main reason I, I created the contest was because I started filming video parts of all these kids around here that I'm like, these kids shred, like, I'm like, is this kid sponsored, yeah. who's this kid, where, are and I'm looking at them, like, I'm skating with them all winter in Skater's Edge. I'm like, these kids are fucking amazing at skating. And, like, I don't even know who they are. And I obsess yeah. with skateboarding, you know? And I was like, Jesus, man, there's so many good people here. Like, we need to do something. So then I started hitting up, like, some brands about doing a contest at Skater's Edge. And nobody was game. No one was down. They were just like, no, I can't <laughs> do it. Can't afford it. Can't do-do-do-do-do-do. And I was like, fuck, man. It just kind of forced me to do it because I was like, I had the brand going. I really wanted an event at the edge. I knew how amazing these kids were, and I just, like, want this whole area to grow. Like, I just know the the work ethic, the style, 
every skater here has something that's awesome, and we have a huge community. And I was like, I'm just going to build it, and they'll come. I'll build it, and they'll come. And then first year was beyond, like you said, with, with, with the magazine, you know? Like, you built something beyond what you could have imagined. First year was like that. I was like, oh, this is like, I didn't expect this, you know? Everyone came out. All these shops, like, ridiculous. And then this year, the follow-up has been just as good. So I'm so excited for this one. Yeah, it's a ton of hype, man. So, I mean, hats off for doing that because it needed to be done. So, it, you know, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to see it. So, thank you. Good Let's luck. keep it going, dude. Let's keep it going. Hell yeah. Keep in touch, homie. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Take okay. care. Good luck. Later, Andrew. Peace. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time. People, where you at? Put your fist up. We gon' twist up. Say, come on, come on. Experience the train. Uh, Hot for boys. Come on. Experience rocking with the reed.